Glenn Close delivers a stunning Oscar-worthy performance in The Wife, a searing portrait of a marriage intimately directed by Bjorn Runge, a movie that Bjorn Runge quite literally says saved his life. I will come back and I will do that fucking film. <laughs> Director Bjorn Runge is my guest here on Pop Culture Confidential. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Christina Jerling Biro. So I'm so thrilled to share this conversation with you this week. It's a conversation with director Bjorn Runge that really spanned so many facets of life, from creativity to pain to marriage to looking death right in the eye. It seems and turned out to be a perfect match when award-winning Swedish director Bjorn Runge and the great Glenn Close got together for the wife. The movie is based on the novel by Meg Wolitzer, adapted for the screen by Jane Anderson. It's an intimate and at the same time explosive portrait of a marriage. Close plays Joan Castleman. She's the wife of the celebrated author Joe Castleman, played by Jonathan Price. As the movie begins, he wins the Nobel Prize, and together with their son, played by Max Irons, they head to Stockholm. This trip sparks a crisis for Joan, who's been in the shadow of Joe their whole marriage, and it brings a huge secret to the surface. Hello? Am I speaking to Mr. Gosselman? I'd like my wife to get on the extension. Hello, Iran? It is my great honor to tell you, Mr. Gosselman, that you have been chosen to receive the Nobel Prize in Literature. Tell me this isn't some great big fat joke. It's all real, darling. <laughs> Breathe. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Welcome to Stockholm. We are so delighted to have you here. I came across some of your stories in the college journal, beautifully written. Joe had a very heavy hand as a teacher. Did he encourage you to keep writing? A writer writes because he has something personal to say. You write with intelligence, but you're detached. The characters are supposed to be detached, especially the mother. My wife doesn't write, thank God. Otherwise, I'd suffer permanent writer's lock. <laughs> Don't ever think that you can get their approval. Who's? The men. The ones who decide who gets to be taken seriously. A writer has to write. A writer has to be read, honey. The performances in The Wife are spectacular, beautifully guided by Runge, who in his vast Swedish film and theater career so often has captured intimate relationships between man and wife and parent and child. As you'll hear in the interview, the wife was a particularly personal experience for him. Runge, who'd left the Swedish film industry after a frustrating period, was working on theater productions on Sweden's most prestigious stages when this script came to him. He was also in the throes of a very serious cancer treatment. The wife spoke to him immensely. He says he can relate to all the characters, from Joan to the son. And the movie became a family affair. Bjorn's wife and longtime editor Lena worked on the film, as well as one of their sons behind the camera. The wife hits the zeitgeist on so many levels, particularly in the height of the Time's Up movement. It also pierces marriage, being a woman, and compromises you make, either consciously or unconsciously, in a relationship. Themes that I found myself discussing and thinking about long after the movie was over. 
Now, just a small warning. There's a big secret, a spoiler in the wife that Bjorn and I try to stay away from in the conversation, but we do circle around it. Glenn Close has said that one of the questions that she most needed answered for herself when she was considering taking this movie was why the character of Joan doesn't just leave her husband. I started by asking Bjorn his thoughts on this and what he and Glenn Close talked about the first time they met to discuss potentially working together on The Wife. When we met in, in um, Greenwich Village, uh, me and Glenn Close, and we're talking about the script, we're also talking about theater and talking about lives, and suddenly she also starts to talk about very personal things, why she was involved in the script, mm. why what in the script that emotionally connected her to the script. And I was also talking about my emotional connection with the script. In one way we show each other the emotional tickets, mm. you know, because I think it's so important to have emotional ticket into a script, mm -hmm. otherwise you can't do good work. And then she went silent and just looked at me and then she said, I want you to direct this film. Mm. Because she understood that I was also ha having a ticket mm -hmm. for this. What was it you had said? Was for it something it was particular? No, for me it was the sun. Mm -hmm. That uh, I recognized so much the weaving, the tension between two adult parents. Mm -hmm. And you are the sun. So for me that was the key. And her key was, of course, her also through well. child memory to taking responsibility that you don't, uh, I can't say what it was, but she was talking about uh, both shyness, but also where was to take a huge response when you are very young. Mm -hmm. And that was a key into June. I w as I was saying earlier, Glenn Close, uh, she really needed to think for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months about why doesn't Joan leave him? She needed to have that answer for herself and she needed for the audience because she was worried that... I want your honest answer to why didn't she leave him? I think the habits... They have been together for so long. Uh, I think they have a very good life together in the house with the countryside in Connecticut. So I don't think... As soon as they are not brought out into a strong lamp, spotlight of a uh, Nobel Prize... They could just continue to write these books and have their collaboration and have a good life. And the money comes from everywhere because this book in a sales very good all over the planet. Uh, they have a very good habit together. But as soon as they leave that house, it's dangerous for them. And they don't realize how dangerous it is. But does she shut off her feeling of recognition? No, I don't think so. No. I think they could have created a perfect working life and with a very good marriage. But somewhere during that journey, I think, as he says, now we are in the spoiler, he says that, don't you think that I was hurted or something is said every day woke up with you the, with the golden touch, touch right. yeah he's jealous of her yeah and that's his that's his big issue or what you say is it's that's destroys him mm -hmm. that also destroys the love he's not capable of or loving because of that even in the end he says so do you love me 
in the last lines and she said, yes, I love you. Mm. How should I ever know you're such a good liar? And then he goes. Right, right, right. Now we're very much. <laughs> yeah, it was very much. <laughs> but, but I think he's one way he need bekräftelse. Mm -mm, yes. Recognition, acclaim. Yeah, no, yeah he, need, he, Duke Hussman really needs rec uh, recognition yeah. to uh, exist. And if he doesn't get that recognition from her, he goes out and finds it everywhere. I can't understand how you can go get false recognition for decades and decades and decades, like he does, yeah. from the world. Now that's like that's almost psychopathic for me. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, it's a little bit touch on that. Yeah. I am aware of Joe's various indiscretions. His affairs have nothing to do with you. That's a deep-seated fear of inadequacy. Don't paint me as a victim. I am much more interesting than that. can't take it. I can't take the humiliation. What are we doing? John, we're not bad people. I think you are sick and tired of Joe Castle. I would like to convey to you the warm congratulations of the Swedish Academy. You have reinvented the very nature of storytelling. Tell me about yourself. Do you have an occupation? I do. And what is that? I am a kingmaker. I'm sure there are a tremendous amount of Swedish filmmakers who have influenced you and, and who've looked at. For me, they're a modern Casavetes. I think that you have the ability not just to, to look in a relationship, but to look at that exact moment, no, the exact fight where the whole relationship comes to an upheaval. And I was wondering why this moment seems to have interested you throughout your film career, not only between man and wife, but uh, children and parents and, and everything. And if I'm if I'm correct in, in saying that Cassavetes may be someone that you have... Um, uh, John Cassavetes, uh, earlier he was uh, a sort of heavy inspiration for me. But this time also, if you could run two films at the same time, mm -hmm. for me it's uh, John Cassavetes' uh, love streams. But at the same time, if you do the autumn sonata by Ingmar Bergman. Mm -hmm. Because I, what I like with Bergman is there is some kind of precision. precision, mm. uh, And it's also very much about what's happening step by step, a sort of deconstruction of a marriage. Mm. John Cassavetes followed the river of emotions in a wild way. So I'm... I'm deep, I was deeply, when I did the film Daybreak a mm -hmm, long time mm -hmm. ago, it was very much a John Cassavetes mm -hmm. film for me. But this time I think we also were closer to, a little bit closer actually to some kind, some of Ingmar mm. Berman's films. But during your sort of studies of the human character during mm -hmm. all your do you see that there is a common denominator in a relationship when these types of fights come up? Yeah, in one way, when I when I write, I'm an adult person, person I mm -hmm. think, because I relate to myself as an adult guy. Mm -hmm. But when I direct, I also activate the teenager within myself. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's I'm going back. So it was some kind of 
turbulent time when I was a teenager back home. We were moving a lot. I really love my parents, they're still alive, but they were in one way not capable to have that play of the family mm -hmm. during uh, some years that was really turbulent. So for me it was so important when you enter a room, you must know what's in the room emotionally. Yeah, you said that, that your childhood made, made you really be able to scope a room and see what emotions are happening between yeah. whoever's in that room. Yeah, and I still have that. I can, I, can read, I can read people. I don't want to read people. So I try to contain myself. Mm -hmm. But when I direct, I, that's my work, to read people, mm -hmm. to read the actors, what's going on between the actors and so on. And for me, I really wanted to be honest. I wanted to be uh, present because uh, I have want to have a control over what's happening in the room. And I'm not afraid <coughs> to bring the actors as far as it needs mm -hmm. to get the situation from the script into a truthful moment that can be shared with an audience emotionally. I read another thing about you. You have said that you call yourself an, an emotional perfectionist. And I was wondering if that was in private as well. When you come to a set, you can also, in one way, it's about investigate the emotions that are in front of the camera or on a stage. And that invest investigation is for me a sort of great ordering chaos. Mm -hmm. And that I can only do in front of the camera or on a stage in a black box. So you can't order. bring order in your chaos at home? Yeah, I, yeah I'm mm -hmm. very much better on that now. Yeah. But uh, back in the days, I, wasn't I, lived, I lived the chaos mm -hmm. in one way. So when I come into set, I could make an order of myself. But now the connection is deeper for me now. But for me, it's, I try, of course, to live as truthful as possible to the people I am with uh, that are close to me, even to my dog, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but mostly for myself. Uh, but it's not easy mm. no. because I think it's uh, to be a human being, it's, I think it's very hard to understand myself. It's un hard to understand your neighbor. It's hard to understand your mother and father and friends. I love so many people, but when it comes to the end of the day, we are still mysterious when I'm standing in front of the mirror. But the, the privilege to be a director or a writer, that is, you can create a sort of order. You can create something that you can understand the world a little bit more and perhaps understand yourself a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if it's a good answer on your question, but uh, some years ago, I got a diagnosis for uh, malignant melanoma, mm -hmm. four years ago. And it was so strange because 2016, in the summer of 2016, I went into a very dark room of the existence. I knew, in one way, I left the humanity. 
because there's something they said to me. I asked them because I got a tumor on my lung and a tumor on the brain. Mm. And I asked them how long time. And the, my doctor said, I don't know, two months, one year, that oh, kind of oh, stuff. Oh. I could mm. see the panic in, mm -hmm. in their eyes. Mm. They didn't know anything. Uh, and I asked, when you are outside the humanity and you face yourself to the wall of the existence, then you start on things. Uh, you start thinking about life, your life, and you start to think about the relationships in a different way. So for me, it was a life changer. This last four years, the last four years has been sort of very strong life changing mm -hmm. for me. And it was also so interesting because I've come in contact with uh, an alternative doctor here in Gothenburg that has created a co uh, vitamin cure, cure. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. based from vitamins from the island of Okinawa in Japan. Mm -hmm. And it was also a very important uh, thing for me to suddenly change my way to look at my body because something in my body was dangerous for my life. But I, sh I went over to be a vegetarian and, uh, you know, it was connected with the film in one way. Because during that summer of 2016, suddenly I got a mail from the producers meet and so, and we don't have any fundings anymore. The fundings has disappeared because mm -hmm. the Swedish Film Institute wasn't follow us with that kind of money that mm -hmm. we have uh, looking for. So suddenly the, the whole funding was collapsed. Oh, God, so you had the yeah. money. And I was lying on my bed and didn't know if I go was going to live to the autumn. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I got a mail from Jane Anderson that said, I'm so sorry, our collab collaboration was so fun, but now the mm -hmm. film is gone. And I wrote back to her and said, it's not over yet. Mm -hmm. Because I, I knew one thing. I will come back and I will do that fucking film. Mm -hmm. That was two <laughs> important things for me. And then I went to an x-ray in the end of uh, July, I remember, and the tumor of my lung was gone. And I know it was related to that cure, mm -hmm. but that also wasn't. Then I, of course, took some ordinary medicals from the hospital. Uh, so it was a good combination, good. maybe. But... Then they called back in the early of August, they called, we have a new English company, Silvery, that wants to be a part of it. And I feel stronger and stronger. And then in the middle of August, they called and said, can you go to Glasgow and looking for locations? And I went to Glasgow and I loved it. And I understand that we can do the film. Mm -hmm. And so I said, yes, yes, yes. And then I went to a new x-ray in the August and the brain tumor was gone. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and then yeah. in September they said, green light let's go for it so you're in remission yeah, yeah so for me fine. when it comes to cr to work with the uh, as a creator creator yeah it's a healing <gasps> for me it's a deep deep healing mm -hmm. it's a way to uh, one way phantom the world mm -hmm. the existence and I try to be as honest as possible not only when I'm in front of the camera but also when I'm behind the camera in my private life before all these things happens with my diagnosis uh, 
it was mixed land. It was a limbo between life and truth. And uh, I was also, it was, you were trying to survive in this little film industry in Sweden that was really strange business, I think, here in Sweden. So it was frustration growing day by day. And you, you had an enormous lust for going into work mm -hmm. because I love to work. You couldn't, you, you didn't find the chance the outlet, for it. Right, right. No, exactly. Yeah. But after this, now they say my test is wonderful mm -hmm. and everything is very good. Oh, and that's uh, amazing. Yeah. That's great. But for me, it's it connected with the, I know that it has a connection with, a deeper connection with Creati your yeah. creativity. Yeah, and yeah. the wife right. also. Because the, life the wife was also, I love those long conversations, Skype chats with Jen Anderson. We were sitting. Uh, many many times for hours and discussing the script and the light was changing in the room and you could see that she always said to me now i can't see you you look like an ingmar bergman film she <laughs> said and she was Life in los angeles yeah <laughs> in the twilight zone you know but for me it, i always felt that the idea of this film is what's keep me going on a professional way uh, privately of course uh, what's keep you going is the love from your family suddenly you could feel that the love of my private life and the love from my work was connected. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to be in projects that is surrounded by good people, oh, yeah. good wills, and not only as a hired gun. Mm -hmm. You um, have a creative partnership with your wife, in your real life, which you, who's the editor of this movie and has worked with you for a long time. If I would ask Lena what her role in your relationship is, what do you think she would say? Uh, we, we are very good uh, discussion partners. So, and when it comes to the editing, uh, she did a marvelous job. Oh, yeah. Because she's, uh, she's a tough editor and she is she's stubborn. also a therapist so it looks like she knows like <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I, I kept thinking yeah. that she knows what these yeah and she goes for it until it's so good as it can be and mm -hmm. um, the producers here gave us the best circumstances we ever worked under so uh, during so it was a wonderful time but it was also a hard time because it's a lot of different uh, perspectives on the different drafts but uh, it wasn't easy to present her when we were in U.S. on the press tour. Mm -hmm. Because uh, should, I, should I say, this is my wife, <laughs> and she's also the editor. Yeah. So we said, this is the editor of the film, Lena. Yeah. She's also my, my wife. wife. Oh. Yeah. So suddenly, uh, some papers I read had done, they had been a little bit funny about that, mm. that she's the creator of everything <laughs> behind this. <laughs> Film behind that, all great yeah. men, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she was very, uh, we're mean, very good. She's my best friend, yeah. and she's also a creative friend in the best way. So we have a very good collaboration. Also. But in your in your personal in your relationship, would she say that? Uh, I'm not comparing you to the Castlemans, but how would she describe her role as you being the sort of one out there speaking and directing, and and her coming in and sort of. Uh, to be an editor, of course, it's uh, an invisible work. You rarely mention the editor. You rarely mention even the writer. 
because Jane Anderson's name is not as much mentioned as the Meg Wallace's name is much more into the mm-hmm. this discussion about the wife. Uh, so it's m- extremely important work. But when it comes to me and her, she is much more visible now. Uh, and the actors know what she has done to their work. Did your marriage <coughs> change in 2016? When you were saying that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, w- we were out on a very thin ice and I think the support from her and from my children was very important to bring me back to more solid ice. Uh, but uh, when you are out on the very thin ice in the middle of the night you are very lonely also so suddenly you don't want to bother her i kept myself lonely here and there i could go to a hotel or i could i could be for myself because i didn't want her to be close to me i didn't want her to be boring about that is so don't you think she wanted to be there yeah but i could also see that she was terrified. Mm. Uh, of course. Yeah. So and we, but we had also a spiritual discussions, very much about spiritual forces in our life. So we were discussing death and life, and it was a lot of discussions about the existence mm-hmm. in a profound way. One of the more striking um, lines in the movie for me, which also something I've thought about myself, is is when the son says that he's been worshipping at the altar of the wrong parent. Yeah. Is that something you thought about a lot, your relationship with either one of your parents? And My grandfather, he was an American soldier killed, executed by the SS uh, in Belgium in 1944. So my father was adopted different between different mm-hmm. families when he was a young boy he says he was very he didn't have easy to be on one place he would move when i grew up we moved around a lot wow. and uh, so in the beginning it was easy to worshiping him and his life because it was so much colors in it and it was so expressive in one way but uh, at the same time, when I'm getting older and when I getting closer, when Lena and I have been together for a long time, I understand that now I've been with women much more than my my father was unpredictable. You could feel that you have something close to him, and the next day he was gone. So, but my mother, she was much more of loyalty, and especially when me and Lena coming close together with our shyness and so on we yeah one day you just understand that i've been much more with women now than i've been with those strange men it was easy to change your perspective so but for maybe 15 years my father and all those strange germans you didn't know if he was, uh, is, he, is he a criminal or is he, <laughs> you know, where is he? You where were like did, where did he you disappear <laughs> those two months, you know? <gasps> we didn't know. But at the same time, he's a, very, he's a guy that is paying a big price for a very brutal um, childhood. Mm-hmm. So he was a 
bonded by his both his mother and father in brutal ways. Because one of the big themes of this movie, both in terms of the son and, and, and in the wife also, is, is just the human desire to be seen by the person you want to be seen by, be it your, you know, your husband or your father, and, and this in, in the son's case. Next time I introduce you, try a little eye contact. And next time, don't refer to me as your son, the half-baked writer. You shouldn't leave my approval to write. Everyone needs approval, Joe. In one way, you could do you could do a whole film about David's relationship. Oh yeah. Especially when he was young, he must be very frustrated to understand that something was going on behind that locked door. But it was also in the beginning a good secret, I think. Then they had in one way destroyed that secret so that secret now had become a sickness into the marriage and i could recognize myself as i said both in the sun very much in the sun but i could also recognize myself in her and also in him of course but i could also recognize my s my mother mm -hmm. into that role of during costuming and i could also recognize very many men into you costuming. It was some kind of archetypes. I love that someone's that is invisible. You say invisible. Yeah, invisible yeah. in the beginning. <coughs> Do that journey, and so in the end, she is visible for herself. Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful, and I think many many people can recognize themselves in her, really even if you're not a female, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think. But I'm also very attracted to the idea that this film is... <coughs> excuse me. is also screened in India and China and uh, Thailand and that, those kind of countries where I think they have another way to see it, the male and female mm -hmm. um, uh, situations. Mm -hmm. Even if the Me Too movement suddenly brought up a lot of shadows even here in mm -hmm. Sweden. Because we were saying that we are the most equal country in the world between genders. But suddenly so much of yeah, this bubble shadow. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But is it important then with the truth? Uh, it's, it's a hard question <laughs> because we, in one way I think they had a good life before the Nobel Prize. I think the sons struggling was a big issue for them. But that could that could have been he could have taken a constructive way out of this, I think, the son. So in one way they had a good life, they had a house, they had a reputation that was really good and she could do what she loves to do and he did what he loved. But she do. wanted recognition. <coughs> in yeah, in the end, yeah, she wanted to. But before that, so uh, the truth is, when it comes to the end of truth, I think the truth is the key to the healing. I think that even if it's very painful, I think it's the way to go, mm. and that's what we do in this film. Mm. So and it's so interesting how different people see you differently. 
you think you're the same one coming into five different relationships, but this one thinks you're one. This one thinks you're hard and callous, and this one. It, I mean, it's really an interesting how you have yeah, formed. Yeah. Absolutely, mm. and that's interesting, mm. wasn't it? Yeah, because before I left uh, um, the film industry here in Sweden, everything, everyone thought that I was a disaster to work with. I did have sort of reputation that I just because I. I don't know. I don't know. But when I'm working now with a meeting, having a lot of, especially with a. Uh, you mean people thought you were difficult? Well, yeah, you difficult. Were, yeah, you were yeah, being yeah. The director and I fair. think I'm very loyal to what I'm doing. Mm. But it, so I can't really answer for that. But when I worked in England and when I'm now reading a lot of scripts from US and from uh, and meeting a lot of people. I think it's beautiful because the discussion is to getting it better, mm-hmm. not to the most discussions here in Sweden were back in the days to get cheaper. Uh, so you have you started with many creative discussions. How can we can we make it cheaper? Mm. Because if we make it cheaper, we can get the money. And it was so strange because I think the. But in uh, England, I loved it. I love to work in another context. Mm-hmm. We're reading when about that period. Um, you even used a um, Bergman quote saying that the Swedish film industry was for butchers and whores. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Oh, uh, but they really felt strongly that you were done with them. Yeah. But I wonder. Sometimes I wonder, does there still exist a Swedish film industry? I don't know. Not much. No, mm. and I'm a little bit sad of that. Yeah, because it's also so many good actors that. Are they still good actors? Because when I'm out there and they are talking on Q and A's, they all speaking about our amazing good Swedish yeah, actors. Always. But they <laughs> refers to the oh. Swedish actors that not Bergman, yeah, yeah, they're not here mm, yeah. anymore. But what, in your opinion, happened to the Swedish film industry? Uh, uh, some kind of uh, we'll find the right word for it. Uh, shapeless when something is shapeless i'm not talking about ruben Östlin because i think he is very much of good shape mm-hmm. around what he's doing but it's some kind of shapeless formless yet mm. is that yeah yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. shapeless yet. shapeless attitude to the work so suddenly it's very much about what the script is about and that's very important of course but it's only about that mm-hmm. We got a lot of criticism for the wife here in Sweden. For the script. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and we didn't change it. Mm. They said, this film will never reach an audience. This film will... So strange, bad uh, opinions about the script. That was a little bit... uh, And I was bringing them to Jane Anderson and Sanders. Mm -hmm. And she said, no, thank you for, for the comments, but no. But one of the other things you caught the zeitgeist or whatever in this movie talking about Swedish culture is, of course, the Swedish Academy and the Nobel and everything that's happened here that I'm sure the listeners are familiar with. What has the sort of scandal that happened there, which is a combination of many things, but also very much the Me Too movement, what has that done to sort of Swedish culture outside of Sweden and the Nobel Prize? I think in England they know a little bit more when I ask people and we were talking about it. 
in America, some people knows what's happening mm. in the academy. I think the importance of the academy is of course very much focused to outside Sweden to the Nobel Prize. But beyond that, the academy also doing a lot of very important work with the Swedish language. Right. Yeah. But I think the it can go very fast from being a very honorable uh, academy to being an academy without any good reputation. And I think they are... Well, that already happens, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, but I still think they have a chance. Mm-hmm. I hope they have. Otherwise, it can just be like the Nobel um, Foundation. Mm-hmm. They can give it to another committee. It can be an outside Sweden also. It can be an English jury or a German jury or something. Because they have the money. The Nobel Foundation of course, yeah. is the, the one who decides. <laughs> so I think it can go very fast and suddenly it's a new player, a new jury. And their reputation is, they will not, the world will not longing for the Swedish Academy. Mm. It can go so fast. But just finally, I want to ask, you were saying that the, you were known for, at least in the Swedish industry, that, that you had quite a temperament and that you were that it was a difficult time. I mean, you didn't feel that way, but others felt that. Do you think that um, um, things are different now? I mean, have you changed or would, has the industry changed or could you come back to? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I've written, written a Swedish uh, manuscript screen script for in Swedish we will see what's happening I have changed and I think the whole industry is under a big change but I don't know if they are it's for the good or for the worse I don't know but uh, I love to work with actors and Swedish is my language from birth so I don't want to let it go mm. but uh, I, I really I'm attached now to the script so I really want it to happen a Swedish script? no uh, no no. <laughs> actually I'm attached to sc- two scripts but there is one script in England that I think really will happen it's a really good script it's an amazingly good script it's one of the best I ever read mm. set 1845 in London Nice. <laughs> so we will see what's happening. But Period piece. Yeah, it's about the English uh, female poet uh, Elizabeth uh, uh, Barrett Browning. Mm. And it's a thriller. You're very you spiritual, aren't you, though? You see a lot of connections between stuff that happens and what pro- you know projects you get into. and. Yeah, in the best case, uh, in the best... Uh, Things happen for a reason exactly, type of person. Yeah. And you choose also, you best always you f- find scripts that have some connections into the future. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've been too, through too many things that are not by the chance. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a, it's a reality. Without saying that loud, I just know uh, things happen. So will things be good now, coming up? <laughs> yeah. I've Are you feeling positive energy? I feel a lot of positive yeah. energy. I, 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 I do that every day. Mm. Since what's happening in the summer of 2016, my every day is, uh, what do you say, I'm grateful for every yeah. day. 
but it's also some kind of this I think it's I think I the paradox is something that I believe in very much so even if you it can looks really bad it can comes good things out of the bad that's a paradox and I love Lewis paradox mm -hmm. so for me life is full of paradox Thank you so much to Bjorn Rungen. The Wife is up in theaters in the U.S. and it's out in the U.K. this week. It's being released all around the globe this fall, including in Sweden this December. The best of luck to you as I'm sure you're heading all the way to the Oscars. And thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and SoundCloud. And send us your thoughts on Instagram or Twitter at podpopculture. This show was edited by Katrin Lundell, and I'm Christina Jörling-Biru. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right.